Matthew 22, and we're going to begin in verse number 15. Matthew 22, we're going to begin in verse number 15. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll go to the, go to the Word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in the house of God. Lord, we thank you for Sunday night church. Lord, we thank you that you impart, Lord, that special anointing to your people on Sunday evenings. Lord, we thank you for this place where we can come and pour out our heart before you. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the free gift of salvation that cost you so dearly, that you offer to us freely. And Lord, we pray that you would do a new work in us tonight. Lord, we ask that you would anoint your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint that word to accomplish what you desire. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and to teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive all that you have for us tonight. And we ask it in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody says, well, hallelujah. Well, we're in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be picking up in verse number 15 tonight. Uh, One of the things that we're going to see in this passage is that, um, you know, a lot of times people uh, perceive that Jesus was walking around uh, like silly putty. I don't know if you remember silly putty, but it was just bendable. It would it would bend and imitate whatever you pressed it on. And a lot of times when you begin to preach the gospel, you begin to stand for what is right and you begin to stand for what is holy. They'll say you need to be more like Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus wasn't like silly putty. He wasn't, he wasn't like that. He, he, he had a straight walk. He had a holy call of, of God, and the world hated him. If you go and you read John 7, 7, it says that the world hated him. And it, it, it hates us because it hates who's in us. Uh, but as Jesus was ministering the gospel throughout the region, he began to rile up though the religious crowd, the Pharisees. The very ones who who memorized the word of God and should have known who was there in their midst. And how many of you know sometimes you can get so caught up in your religious issues that you miss what's most important? Come on now. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the religious issues that we miss the main thing. I've been in I've been in places before where where maybe somebody's shirt was crooked or maybe uh, somebody you know they didn't put the words on the screen or something was crooked and, and people just couldn't get past that or, or or maybe you know the 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 worship wasn't on key or the pastor couldn't preach right he was stuttering and, and you miss the main thing right you miss the main thing and these Pharisees here are standing in front of God incarnate. And instead of bowing down and crying holy, instead of worshiping, instead of crying the Messiah, Hosanna to the king, instead of worshiping him, what you see is they began to try to find ways to bring him down. And that's a clue. Whenever you're around religious spirit, a critical spirit, a religious spirit, they'll find ways to bring you down. You've got to be full of the Holy Spirit to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. How many of you know that Jesus was was full of the Spirit? Without measure, right? The Word of God says without measure. We've been given a measure, the Bible says, but he he had the Holy Spirit without measure. And and one of the things about it is, is in order for you to contend against those that are coming against you, you're going to have to have the fullness, the, the fullness of the Holy Ghost in your life. 
If you try to combat the enemy's tactics and you try to sniff out the enemy and you try to walk this walk without the Holy Ghost, you are deceived of the worst kind. You need the anointing of God so that you can perceive those things before they come to pass so that God can speak to you in those quiet seasons when people have deserted you. I've heard it said before, I, I, one of the, I was talking to a few people this morning that, that love to minister in prisons, but one of my favorite sayings from somebody that I ministered to in prison one time was, Pastor, I never knew that Jesus was all that I needed until he was all that I had. And that just, I mean, that, that right there is the truth. And sometimes some of us, we need to come to grips with that. We think that we need this, and we think, we think we need eloquent music. We think that we need, you know, beautiful lighting and tapestries. We think that we need this, but what we really need is just Jesus. That's really what we need. What we really need is Jesus. That's what we really need. And sometimes we get so caught up, I need, to be, I need to be on that committee, and I need, to, I need to be the Sunday school director, and I need to be this, and I need to be that, and I've, I've got to get busy, you know, I, I've, I've got to paint this, and I've got to pick up that, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And we get so busy that we miss Jesus. And these Pharisees, they obviously miss Jesus. They conspired to kill Christ. Notice what they say here, though, in verse number 15. It says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master. Now, how many of you know they were being facetious? Right? You know, when you're, when you're around religious spirit... Sometimes they'll say the right words. Oh, you know, I'm just so proud of you. But do you really think that you can do this? That's a religious spirit. That's a religious spirit. Jesus here knows what's going on. They're not pulling the wool over Christ's eyes. They're not pulling the wool over his eyes. But I want you to see that they sought out first to entangle him. It says entangle. That word entangle, it means it's a trap. It's an ensnarement. The, the, the picture of it was a, a, a cage that birds would fly in and couldn't fly out of. But Webster's Dictionary, which I love, I, I, I try not to go to Greek and Hebrew and Latin. I try to stay with English because that's what I was raised, right? Webster's old Webster's Dictionary. Definition for entanglement means when you make something complicated on purpose. Come on now. In, in, in other words, they were trying to make Christ in, it, to a point to where things were overcomplicated for him. I want you to know tonight, God's going to uncomplicate something for you. The devil wants you to be overrun with thoughts, overrun with anxiety. The devil wants you to be overrun with plans and schemes and overrun with everything else to complicate you to the point to where you're entangled. When I, when I was praying over this message, that word entangled, what the, what the Spirit of the Lord showed me was seaweed. Seaweed, when you, when you and I don't know if you've ever walked in seaweed, but it, it entangles itself around you. It's flowing all the way. And sometimes it can entangle things and just kind of trap them to where you can't get out and you can't move. And you just, you thought you were going along good, but before you knew it, you were stuck. 
And I want you to know the devil wants you to get stuck. He doesn't want you to continue walking and fulfilling the call of God on your life. He doesn't want you to continue going the way that God has directed you to go. He wants to entangle you and overcomplicate things to the point to where you're stuck and you're, you're not being used by God. But can I tell you something? Jesus didn't get entangled. Jesus did not get entangled. They sought to entangle Christ, but he did not get entangled. But that's, look, that's not the question because we, we should know that, right? We should know Jesus is not going to get entangled. Come on now. Are you? That's the question. Jesus passed every test with flying colors. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. Now, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ. You know, we, we have an, our advocate. We have our comforter. But we have to obey him. And, and you have to know that the devil is a liar. He's a whisperer. And he's trying to complicate things in your life. He's trying to get you to overthink and overwork and overplan and overscheme to the point to where you're inusable. That was what they tried to do with Christ. They tried to get him to the point to where his words rendered him useless. To where they could entrap him. They said, Master, we know that thou art true and teach us the way of God in truth. Lie, lie, lie. Lying, at, lying through their teeth. You ever had somebody try to butter you up just to pull the rug out from under you? That's what they were doing. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, the devil will bring someone along your path to butter you up to pull the rug out. If you're not careful. Just to butter you up enough. Now, you know you're doing so good and this and that, but. But. That but's always there for a reason. Notice what they said, uh, that you teach the way of God in truth, neither carest thou for any man, for thou, uh, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt you me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. They brought unto him a penny, and he said unto them, whose? Is this image and superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now, what Jesus did is he simplified it. Uh, it let, me, let me break that down for you. Jesus made it so simple, they couldn't say another crossword. That's what God does. You see, when the Holy Ghost comes on the scene, he might ask you to do something really hard, but it's going to be simple. It's simple, right? When you come to the Word of God, it is black and white. It is a religious spirit. It is of the devil that tries to bring you into the gray areas. You see, they tried to create a gray area. I know that the Word of God says this, but what about that? Those gray areas are the places where Satan begins to try to wear the saint of God down. 
You know, you, what you have in the Word of God, many people didn't have. Brother Ravenhill wrote that book. Sodom had no Bible. They were judged. They were tried. They were destroyed. But they didn't even have a Bible. America has a Bible. What's God going to do to America? When we, when we begin to live in the same sin that destroyed Sodom, when we have the Word of God as a clear, simple, plain, easy to understand, black and white word against our culture. And yet, we have people in our generation say, well, I know God said that, but what about this here? Let's create a gray area here. Jesus said marriage was one man and one woman. You create a gray area, you're falling in suit with the Pharisees who Christ called hypocrites. And the reason they did it was to try to ensnare and entangle the people of God. And I want you to know that, that the devil, he has the same tricks in his bag. And those tricks are to try to move the people of God into gray areas to render us useless. It's to try to get us entrapped. It's to try to get us to a point to where we overcomplicate things. Well, you know what? I, I, I mean, he did say marriage is one man and one woman, but he, he didn't say that it's one, you know, one man and one donkey. I mean, he didn't say that. What you're doing is you're creating a gray area. God's word is the authority. A gray area is not the authority. If you, begin to, if you begin to allow the enemy to move you into gray areas in the, regarding the things of God, what you've done is you've rendered yourself into an overcomplicated place to where you are in the seaweeds. The enemy wants to bring you into a gray area where God has it black and white. The authority, the authority is the Word of God. It's not about what you think or I think. It's what the Word of God says. The Word of God has to settle the matter for you and for me. If the Word of God says that no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God, guess what? That's the authority. If the Word of God says no liar will enter the kingdom of God, guess what? That's the authority. If the Word of God says no murderer will enter the kingdom of God, guess That's the authority. Now here's the reality is a lot of people have sinned and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11 and such were some of you. It's not about who you were but it's about you being made new in Christ Jesus. Turning away from the things of the flesh and of sin and turning to the cross and being made new and receiving the Holy Spirit so that you can live an empowered holy life unto God. But here... This complication sets in. This complication is the very same thing that Satan brought to Eve. He tried to get her into a gray area. You shall not surely die. Did God not say you'll die? You shall not surely die. What he tried to do is create a gray area to move her off the authority of the word of God. And you know what? If people can move you off the authority of the word of God, if they can move you off the black and white of what God has said, if they can get you to lower the standard of the word of God to just a, a, a word of suggestion, then what they've done is they've moved you off the rock. 
They've moved you off that thing that you can trust. They've moved you off that bellwether. They've moved you off the word of God. You shall not surely die was an entangling lie from Satan. It created a gray area and it complicated things for Eve and she sinned. Now here's, here's the reality. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not so much maybe the devil coming to you saying you shall not surely die, but he'll come at you and he'll say things like, you don't really need the Holy Ghost. Or he'll say things like, you don't have to live a holy life. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to worship God. You don't have to pray. You don't have to study the word of God. He'll get you into a place to where you'll begin to believe the lies. He'll get you into those gray areas to move you off the authority of the word of God. We have people in the church world today that are marrying homosexuals because they've been moved into the gray areas. We have people in churches today that turn a blind eye to shacking up saints. Shacking up saints. In other words, that's called fornication. But we have churches today that turn a blind eye to it. God's never turned a blind eye to it. The church may be, the, the, the church may be complicit in the sin, but God's not. God's never been for sin, and he never will be for sin. And you know, Wesley said that. He, he said that our job, is not, our job is not to make the word of God fit our life. Our job as preachers is to get the people to fit to the word of God. You see, when, when we begin to bend that, now you see why the church in America is going the way that it is. But what's happened is this entangling spirit, I believe, has gone out into the church world. It's gotting people to the point to where they they, they too scared to speak out against sin today. Well, if I speak out against sin, somebody gonna come whoop me, beat a, get a big old bat, or cancel me, or kick me off this and kick me off that. That's your job. Let the world be the world. Let God be God. Watch who wins. Watch who wins. We used to sing a song when I was in vacation Bible school called Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. That man Daniel, he stood alone against a whole empire for God. Watch what God won't do if you'll have the courage and, and you'll follow God and not bend the knee to Baal. Watch what God won't do. But if you allow the spirit of this world and if you allow Satan to entangle you to a point to where you move off of what you know is true to overcomplicate things, then you'll, you'll, you'll see that the enemy, he doesn't have new tricks. It's the same old tricks, but they're deadly. They're deadly. The Bible says that the enemy, he, he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may gnaw on. Seeking whom he may play with. No, it says that the enemy is a roaring lion. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you don't need to go to the Greek to know what devour means. You don't need to go to 15 Bible translations to know what it means that Satan wants to devour you. 
You shouldn't need to learn to go to the to Hebrew and Latin. You shouldn't need somebody to, to, to do an exposition on what it means to devour. Satan wants to sift you. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take out of you what God's put in you. He wants to move you off the call of God on your life. He wants to render you useless in the kingdom of God. He wants to get you to the point to where you're anxious and worried and scheming and planning and overcomplicated to the point to where you're entangled in his web. One of the things that we see is that this entanglement here, this entanglement was brought up by religious folks. Don't forget that. You're, you're, most, of, most of you are smart enough to know when a heathen comes at you with some words to, to pick up the shield of faith. But it's when those that you love, that you respect maybe, that you thought had a walk with God begin to say stuff, that's when it pierces the soul. When you begin to get family coming against you, that's when it's a test. When you begin to get church folks, quote unquote, they used to call uh, in, in politics Republicans in name only or Democrats in name only. I, I thought, man, I wanted to preach a sermon. God never let me. I, he will, though, one day, I believe. Christians in name only. When you get around Christians in name only, when you begin to go for God, when you begin to go for broke, when you begin to let go of the world and go for God and get full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you remember those times when you used to have your Bible on your dashboard and you walk and you'd be everywhere you go, you'd be telling people about Jesus. They couldn't wipe the smile off your face. You were just anointed, appointed, and walking in the power of God, the call of God on your life. And, and, and in those times, you remember that? God wants to get you back there. God wants to get you back there. But the enemy wants to take you out of that. He wants to take the joy of the Spirit away. Amen, the joy of the Spirit. But it is those religious folks, it's those religious folks that, that bring the accusations. It's those religious folks that bring complications. It says, the, then went the Pharisees and they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. One of the other words for that means to interweave, to interweave. In other words, they wanted to move Christ into a point to where they overcomplicated things and he had no leg to stand on. Just buy a coin. I don't have a coin with me, but just a coin. What are we supposed to do with that? And the Spirit of God made it so simple. Even people like us can understand. If it belongs to the government, give it to the government. If it belongs to God, give it to God. Look, I'm just somebody from East Texas, but even I can understand that. I don't need Matthew Henry or Charles Spurgeon to help me understand what that means. All you really need is the Holy Ghost. I like what Brother Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, some people read in Greek and some people read it in Hebrew, but I prefer to read it in the Holy Ghost. And if you read the Bible in the Holy Ghost, you'll get an understanding that men can't confound. The devil will try to take out what God puts in, but, but he can't. He can't. He's already been defeated. He's a liar. He's already been defeated. The only way he can get over on you is whenever you move off the truth. The truth will set you free. Let me show you something in 2 Peter chapter 2. Turn with me over there to 2 Peter chapter 2. 
There's three things that we need. We need discernment, we need wisdom, and we need the Holy Ghost. We need discernment so that we can see the traps of the enemy. We need wisdom so that we can know the correct action to take. And we need the Holy Ghost to empower us to do it. We need discernment. We need wisdom. And we need the Holy Ghost. If you're so carefree in your walk with God, that you're not prayed up, living full of the Holy Ghost, you're coasting. And as my pastor used to say, you're cruising for a bruising. You've got to stay prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost or you're cruising for a bruising. Because the reality is the devil waits and waits and lurks and waits. One old Puritan, he said that the, that the enemy will go around your house 99 times to find the back door unlocked once. Once. You know, old story, they said that uh, back in the day when people used to rob, I, I don't know if you know this, but back in the Depression, people were, were so hungry. So hungry, and they would steal. I mean, they would rob people. But what they did is they would get little kids because sometimes people would leave the windows cracked just a little bit and let the air in. And they would lift little kids up and get the little kids to go into that small window opening. And that, that little kid would then go and open the door and let the whole bunch in. And they'd raid the pantry. That's a, that's a, a, a typology of the way the devil comes in our life. He comes in the small cracks. And then once he's in, he opens the door for more. So you've got to be on guard. You need wisdom. You need discernment. And you need the Holy Ghost. The only place you can get that is at the cross. You can't buy it. You can't buy it. You can't go to a conference for it. One place, one place God gives out liberally the cross. One place. When, 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 when God begins to work in your life, it's because you've come to that place of surrender. And I want you to know you never outgrow that. We don't outgrow it. We don't outgrow it. Second Peter chapter 2. Wells without water. If you're thirsty, what good is a water bottle is empty? Well, God is calling here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Wells without water. He's talking about false teachers. A false teacher is somebody that can promise you the moon, but they don't deliver nothing. You got to come back next time. Or you didn't sow a big enough seed. Oh, oh, a well without water is what we have on TV today. It's where the book club is and the conference club is. And it's where people are made merchandise of, according to Peter. They make merchandise of you. And people just freely allow it. But he says that there, in verse 17, he said, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... 
they allure. Through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. In other words, these wells without water, they use great swelling words. To not entrap the blind. These people aren't after those that Satan already has. He's not after those that are already being destroyed. He's after those that have escaped the pollution of sin. He's after the child of God. He's after the children of the king. He's after the saints of Jesus Christ. He's, they're going to use alluring words to begin to complicate the simplicity of the message of the cross. When Paul went to the church of Corinth, he said, God forbid that he used anything except the cross. The, the simplicity of the cross is what Paul brought to the Corinthian church. And here you have these people who use words of vanity that allure people. Now watch what it says in verse 19. It says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. Now, that's, that was all to the false teachers. Okay, they, they, they use these words and they promise liberty, but they're slaves. They're slaves to money, they're slaves to, to fornication, they're slaves to drugs, they're slaves to the world, they're slaves to the flesh, they're slaves to the taskmaster, Satan. And the next verse is to us. Look what it says here. It says in verse 20, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world... Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. There's three key words in this part. Somebody escaped pollutions through knowing Jesus. If you're a child of God today, you escape the pollution of the world through coming to know Christ. Okay? You're no longer who you once were. God said that your, your past, He would, as far as the east is from the west, He'd remember it no more. He made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are not who you once were. Old things are passed away. All things are made new in Christ Jesus. You escape the pollution. How many of you remember the time that you were polluted with the world? Were you polluted with the world? Yeah. I'm not worried about the environment getting polluted. I'm worried about souls getting polluted. We were all at one time polluted with the world. And the only way you can escape that pollution is through knowing Christ. It's the only way. You don't get to escape the pollution of the world by trying harder. You don't escape the pollution of the world by giving more money. You don't escape the pollution of the world by coming to my conference and wearing this t-shirt. Buying my book. 
There's only one way that you can escape the pollution of the world. It's not 12 steps or 13 steps or five steps. It's one step to Christ. It's coming to that cross and giving Christ your heart and receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. It says, through knowing the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then, so there's, they escape the pollutions, but then they get entangled. They get entangled again by the pollutions. And that's what I want to get to you tonight. I want you to hear what the Spirit is speaking. These people escaped, and then they got entangled. Is God a respecter of persons? If these people escaped and then got entangled, could you? This is not an exercise in, in thought. This is not presupposing in some philosophy of can somebody that once was this, can they now become? I mean, the word of God is crystal clear. They escaped pollution through knowing Christ and then they got entangled in the same pollution again. And that's a word of warning. Because if God has set you free, it didn't, it, he didn't set you free because of how beautiful you are, even though you're beautiful, okay? He didn't set you free because of what you bring to the table, although we're glad what you bring to the table. He set you free because it brings glory to Him, because He set you free. It brings glory to God Almighty to see one of the children of God set free. God sets you free to glorify Himself. Amen. Glory to the King. We're not going to sing hallelujah, look at the saints when we're in heaven. We're going to sing hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. We're going to glorify Him. But you see, these people escaped the pollution, but then somewhere along the way, they began to get entangled again with the pollution of the world. Now, Jesus obviously had that, that without measure Holy Ghost. I don't think there was a day of Christ's life that he was prayerless, powerless. I don't think there was a day of Christ's life that he didn't have the fullness of the, of the power of the Spirit. But I know there's probably days in our life that we've been prayerless and powerless. And the word of caution is, get back to that place of refuge Get back to the Spirit of God because the world will overcomplicate issues to entangle you back into the pollution that God brought you out of. The world is being used by Satan to allure the people of God back into the pollution. And it starts subtle. It starts so subtle I mean, they, you'll, you'll begin to get prayerless because you've got too many things to do at the church. You'll begin to say, you know what? I was going to pray today, but I, I was going to go and, and do such and such at the church, so I, I need to just get up and go. And, and, and then you just begin to get into a habit of being prayerless. Then you begin to get into a habit of not reading the Word of God. You get into a habit of not coming to the house of God. You get into a habit of not having the power of God available in your life anymore. And at that point, at that point, you are in critical danger 
Because you need the discernment of the Spirit, the wisdom of God, and the power of the Holy Ghost to do what God's called you to do. You can't do it in your own strength. You need God. We all need God. But what the devil wants to do is he wants to get you to the point to where you move off that truth. And he'll begin to move you back into that pollution. What is the pollution? The pollution is anything that's not God. I've seen people get polluted by getting too busy in church. I've seen people get polluted because of TV shows. Let me tell you something. If God tells you not to do it, you shouldn't even watch it. That's a good rule of thumb right there. If God says don't commit adultery, you shouldn't watch a movie that has adultery in it. If God says not to let a a corrupt word leave your mouth, you shouldn't watch a movie with corruption in it. If God says homosexuality is an abomination, sodomy is an abomination, guess what? You shouldn't watch it. If one of the Ten Commandments is to not use the name of the Lord your God in vain, you shouldn't watch a movie with that in it. These are just simple things. But in these simple things, the enemy begins to wear down the saint of God. And that's a hallmark of the Antichrist. He he, he wears out the saints in those last days. I mean, he has free reign in those last days. And we've got to get to the point to where we're walking in the discernment of the Spirit, the wisdom of God, and full of the Holy Ghost so that we can walk upright in the last days. Because I promise you, the devil's not going to take a retirement while the world goes to hell. The devil's going to ramp up, not slow down. He is defeated, but he knows his time's short. And there's coming a day when God's going to turn the keys over to him. That's judgment. Tribulation. Seven years. And we're seeing the tremors of it. We're seeing the tremors of it. It's judgment that's coming on a world that rejected Christ. God's going to give the world over to judgment. And in these days, we need more than ever to make sure we're not being polluted. That we're not, and I want look at that word, entangled. They are again entangled therein, look, and overcome. And overcome. And then the end is worse than the beginning. You see, Christ, he passed that test of entanglement with flying colors. But I pray that we do. Let me show you, um, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The story of Mary and Martha. One of my favorites. Just to put it short, Mary was doing what was right Martha was doing what was right, but she got entangled in right work. You see, God is after people that want to walk in light. 
It says in verse number 38, Luke 10, verse 38, it says, It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. Let me tell you, Martha got entangled. Martha got entangled. Martha, Martha got entangled on something. In, in, in other words, she got overcomplicated. She lost the forest for the trees. She, she left the main thing. She majored on the minors. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to focus on the small things and lose sight of the main thing. We'll begin to get cumbered about duties and we'll begin to get complicated on this and complicated on that when the Word of God makes things crystal clear. The Word of God makes things simple. Jesus said it's childlike faith that is needed to enter heaven. I thank God for that. Childlike faith. Mustard seed faith. Just a little bit of faith. God's asking for us to be simplistic in our faith. Why? Because God, he made it simple for us. The devil tries to overcomplicate things. God has it simple. Surrender. Here's what the religious spirit does. Surrender my TV. Surrender this. Do I have to surrender that? What all do I have to do? What about this? What about that? We begin to complicate things. Mary here, although she was doing good things, she was cooking, she was cleaning, she was taking care of things. Look, things at church, they got to get taken care of. I remember there was a time in our church whenever I first came in, and we had people that would be busy doing uh, church office work during service. Sorry, but there's nothing more important than the Word of God going forward. Did, we, did, did, did it cause some issues? Yeah, it caused some issues, but you're not going to overcomplicate things. The, let's keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is that Christ be exalted. The main thing is that we give God the glory and honor that he's due. The main thing, and that's what Mary did. Mary came and it says that she sat at his feet and heard his word. And that word is what makes things black and white. It's the devil that makes things in the gray area. It makes things complicated and entangles us. I believe, I believe Martha, as she began to work, how many of you know what it's like to begin to work and nobody's helping you? You begin to huff, thinking somebody's going to hear you. And they didn't hear you, so you huff louder. And you take that broom and you pop it against the wall so that maybe somebody will see that you're working and come help. But they, didn't, they still didn't do it. You know, she's probably sweeping and, you know, stomping and doing all this stuff. And Jesus probably had to talk even louder. See, Mary's clanging those pots and pans, and he's, he's going to project his voice now. 
She comes in finally at the end and she's like, is nobody going to help me? Is nobody going to help me? You know what? I've talked to many Christians. And sometimes some of us, that's one of the hallmarks that we've been serving a complicated entanglement taskmaster, Satan. When you get so mad and frustrated. Is somebody going to come do this? Is somebody going to come do that? Can I tell you something? A.W. Tozer said it like this. When we make Jesus the one and only thing, the thousand other things fall into the correct place. Mary caught that. But you see, we, we overcomplicate things and we, we come out like, like Martha and we say, isn't somebody going to do this? Isn't somebody going to do that? And we get all frustrated and we get anxious and we get that anxiety rolling and, and you can tell that we've been entangled. And, and, and Jesus, I believe when he said this, he said it with all the love in the world. Look what he says in verse 41. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. You know what? It's the devil that's causing you to think about many things. He's trying to get you to come back into those things that will pollute you. Fear, worry, doubt, despair, discouragement, depression, darkness. The devil specializes in trying to bring pollution to the children of God by overcomplicating things. Keep it simple. Put Christ first. Jesus said it like that. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God first. Right? And what did he say will be added unto you? He said, seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek his righteousness. Seek his face. Seek his glory. Seek to live a life for God. Seek that God live in you. Seek to serve Him first and foremost above every single thing. And when you put God first, everything else will fall in line. But what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to focus on all those other things. And and here's the word. If you start focusing on all those other things, and, and look, don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way because we've all got other things that we could be focused on. Don't let nobody look all high and mighty. Everybody's got Swebco. Everybody's got a water. Everybody's got issues to do. Okay? Everybody does. Now, your issues are maybe worse than others. That's fair, okay? Sometimes... Our road is, is, is more bumpy than others, and sometimes it's smoother. But we've all got issues. And the charge of God is that all of us are called to put God first and not worry about those other things. Right? Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Right? But in everything. Through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. Well, God knows what you need. Jesus knew what Mary needed. 
Martha needed to dust, and she needed to mop, and she needed to cook, and she needed to clean. And she needed to do this, and she needed to do that. She got entangled in work. Can you imagine right now? Because I, I don't know about you. I don't have any authority on this, but I, I believe that Martha's in heaven. I believe. I believe Mary's in heaven, and I believe Martha's in heaven. But can you imagine right now? Martha's probably saying, I sure wish I would have put that dust mop down, sat at his feet, and listened to what the Spirit was speaking through the Master. Don't you think that? You know how many believers today are overcomplicating things? When what you need and what I need is an altar. What you need and what I need is an altar. An altar uncomplicates things. An altar uncomplicates things. It's where we go. Look, an altar is nothing without a sacrifice. It's the sacrifice that makes the altar. Fire don't fall on an empty altar. You put something on that altar and watch what God won't do. Watch what God won't do. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's, let's let the Lord close that out. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Today, if you allow the enemy to entangle you, you'll become a Martha without even wanting to. Sometimes some people start out, I believe if you go back and you read the context of 2 Peter chapter 2, you'll see these people, they, got, they escaped the pollution of the world. They escaped sin through knowing Christ, but somewhere along the way they became a Martha and they didn't even realize it. They got too busy doing what was right to be right with God. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can get so caught up in dotting every I and crossing every T and doing what we know is right and missing getting right with God. And I'll submit to you, that's what Mary was doing. Mary was listening to what the Spirit was speaking through her master, and she was getting her heart right with God. And I want to encourage you tonight, put him first. Don't let the devil entangle you. I believe, you know, I, I, I never preached this message before. I never preach a message twice, unless the Lord told me to. But, but I believe that you're here for a purpose. Because the devil has sought to entangle you. He has sought to entangle you. And only God knew that you were going to be here. You and God. I didn't know. There's times we come to service and there's five and there's times we come and there's 50. There's times that we come and there's 15. So I don't know who's coming, but God does. God does. And I believe God wants you to make sure that you're keeping the main thing, the main thing, and not allowing the spirit of the world to encroach upon you and entangle you.
and make things overcomplicated. Tonight, we're going to close right there and, and give you an opportunity to respond and, and, and come to the Lord tonight. I believe that God is speaking to his people various ways. What pollutions try to entangle us? What pollutions? Tonight, I, I believe that God is speaking to the church. Watch out for the traps. Watch out for the gray areas. Let the word of God be true. Let every man be a liar. Somebody wants to try to move you off the truth of God, they're going to try to move you into a gray area. You shall not surely die. If God said you are, you are. If God said it's sin, it's sin. If God said don't, don't. If God said put him first, don't complicate it. Put him first. There's times in my life that, that you know, that I didn't put God first. And I suffered for it. Suffered for it. God loves you. God's for you. God was for Mary and he was for Martha, but it was Martha that chose wrong. Wasn't God that chose wrong. It was Martha that chose wrong. He gives us all free will. And he invites you freely to come give your heart to him. Amen. Make things uncom uncomplicated tonight. Make him your priority. Father, we thank you tonight for your people that are gathered here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God and the, and the spirit that searches us. And, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to stay free, free of every entangling spirit that has been sent out to destroy, free of every alluring thought that the enemy may bring, free from every complication that religious Pharisees may try to bring to get us cornered into a gray area to doubt the veracity and the truthfulness of your word. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us tonight to get uncomplicated for Christ, to be simple in Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would do the work in us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to invite you to come to the altar if you want to come and have a word with the Lord. I always say that the altar is a place between you and Jesus.